silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, and of course, powered by Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby, and I am joined once again by my colleague, John Peck. John, how are you doing? Men lie. Women lie. Buckets don't lie. That's what I have to say. You're getting better and better at these every single week. I'm, I'm proud of you, like a, uh, a proud father and his son. Like he's learning to ride a bike. Um, yeah. That was something I'm having, else. I'm having to come up with expressions because I haven't been on with with the the three of us for a very long time. So, you know, it's yeah, it's been a uh, a long time since the uh, the twos company has become the three as a crowd. Mm. But um, people can't say we're feuding though because we've all done episodes together by now. Yeah, we we've now completed the cycle. <laughs> um, yeah. The episode that. Uh, Brendan and I just did for the Pacific Division now completes that cycle. Mm. Um, so we will now be uh, hopefully moving back to our regularly scheduled trio very soon. But uh, for today, we are jumping into the Northwest Division, um, one mm. of the other big West divisions that I would argue is possibly one of the more uh, star-studded Um it's it's a it's a difficult division to call. Um, looking at it, yeah, uh, just purely on a uh, on a team basis. But um, let's let's start and go you know through them alphabetically as we normally have been doing, um, and start with Denver, uh, a team who really I think took a, a lot of us by surprise last season. Did they surprise you at all? Yeah, definitely. Like <laughs> they they went so far in the playoffs, and I think. You know, they're a club that's always, always been the sum of their parts. Like since Carmelo left, really, they've managed to stay relevant. They've only had a couple kind of down seasons and it's behind, I guess, that combination of Jokic, Jokic and his friends there that, and like those young guys in Harris and and uh, Will Barton and not Will Barton. Is it Will Barton? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Will yeah. Barton. Yeah, like, yeah, they just seem to uh just do better than anyone could really think like it's it's kind of like what we expected from some of the other teams out in the west and and they just like took it took that opportunity and and went so deep with Jokic kind of elevating his game in the playoffs so yeah I think no one probably really saw him being that almost like top five MVP candidate that he was and who knows like if he gets in shape what they could do this year it's it's an interesting team to look at obviously given you know guys like jokic and like you said will barton but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of uh guys in the team who really are fluctuating ar- around sort of the cusp of that all-star division you know you guys like gary harris and um malik beasley jamal murray Mason Plumley obviously making the uh, yeah, the, yeah. the USA team. Um, although I'm not sure if that's any sort of indicator yeah. of <laughs> of talent with the the amount of people who came out. But um, yeah. they they've got a, a really He's nice serviceable. Yes, exactly. Um, but they've got a real nice even spread across the board, which I think makes them a really um, tough to beat outfit. Um, and even then, just looking at the the ins and outs of the team they've managed to retain a lot of that core group that was so successful last year. And do you see that as a good thing or is it, you know, do they need that little bit yeah. of freshening up? No, I think that last year was the kind of the surprise 
season the surprise success like it probably wasn't a surprise to them especially if they knew how good Jokic was but I think to re-roll and and try again the way that you know some of the teams in the east that are looking favored would be doing like the the Bucks are mostly back together again and the um the Sixers are mostly back together again so I think that it's these teams that are having another chance to go at it with some minor improvements. And, you know, the expectation that their young stars will improve, especially Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, I think that they could surprise people even more because you've got all these teams like the Clippers and the Lakers and, uh, you know... The Rockets adding Westbrook, they're, they're all having to adjust to these new dynamics and new chemistry problems. And do they get along with the coach and do they get along with each other? You don't have to worry about that here. You don't have to worry about that necessarily in Utah, where we're going to talk about later. But they added a guy like um, Conley, who's not really a demanding personality. It just feels like they have come back ready to take things to the next level. Yeah, and I think, you know, because we discussed this on the Pacific Division uh, preview that I did with uh, our colleague Brendan White, obviously, um, a team like the Sacramento Kings, who were really pushing for contention just to sort of scratch the surface of the playoffs, they've managed to retain a lot of their players and they found that, um, you know, they haven't really needed to, you know, dig deep into the well of a free agent's or, or trades and it's really the same here looking at the ins apart from their three rookies it's pj doja and jeremy grant who really aren't you know world beaters or anything but no, really going to upset the balance yeah exactly or tip the scales in their yeah. favor necessarily it's, i think it's it's like a team that has yet to reach their potential which is what it's exciting for them i think and similar to like i mentioned Philly and, and the Bucks in the East, like you've seen something exciting, but then you've also got like always oh, Jamal Murray going to take that leap and become an all-star, you know, is, is Jokic going to become like a surefire MVP candidate? Is he going to get in shape and, and just like be consistent through the whole year and, and run the floor and do what he's potentially the only person who in the league who can do it you know if, if he if he gets in shape he's got something that no one else has got with the way that he plays so who knows yeah the, obviously the other big uh in that they have is a player who was already there last season in the form of michael porter jr who pretty much was ruled out i would have said all of last season for what was uh, i think it was back surgery um it definitely wasn't pretty but how integral do you think Michael Porter can be to this team? Obviously, it's it's the situation that obviously occurred to Ben Simmons and look how he went, but obviously they're completely different players. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether he can adjust after such a long layoff. Um, but I think with the, the guys around him, he's really not going to have too much issue. Do you think that he's going to provide a solid you know option for them or do you think he might take a little bit of time to adjust? I mean, he's still super young, obviously, have not been played in the NBA before. He's going to get, have to get used to that change from college to the NBA. And to to be a big guy and do that, it's really hard. Like, there's not a lot of guys that come in as bigs and immediately have an impact. You know, Blake Griffin, Carl Anthony Towns, and 
Anthony Davis, like these are some kind of once in a in a generation type guys that you see. And as far as like there's even though I just mentioned three of them, they're all unique to each other even and I think even someone like Paul Zingas comes in and, you know, there's a bit of an adjustment, a bit of a struggle before they can be really effective and really contribute to winning, I think. So, yeah, I mean, playing at that position as a small <coughs> small forward or, or is, is going to be a big small forward or kind of a, a small power forward, but either way, it's going to be great to have a bit of extra size on mm. the Nuggets alongside Jokic and... I really think, yeah, it's probably a while before we see him tipping the scales as far as taking them to a new level. I think it will be more coming from those other guys that are a bit more experienced stepping up a gear. Yeah, those guys are really going to be the integral piece um, to hopefully whether they're going to be in the same position uh, come the end of the season. Of course, they finished second in the West, I think, shocking pretty much everyone. But uh, do you see them being there or thereabouts this coming season? I do, and it's hard to predict. Like, I've kind of been talking about them as if these three guys are going to improve. That's the big if, is if they do take that leap. Uh, If they just come back and play pretty much the same as last year, then we're going to have a lot of guys around the league maybe more used to their style of play and kind of gunning for them after how well they did last year. So they're going to have to improve in some way to even maintain what they were able to do last year as far as getting past that second round where they lost to the Blazers this year. Well, we now move into the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team which I've been a, a bit of a, uh, a keen follower of mm. for a couple of years now. But uh, yeah, they've just been up and down, haven't they? It's been difficult to really gauge uh, how well they can do with this constant uh, upturn and, and sort of uh, in and out of, of talent. They've really got a, a big list of you know notable players people coming in and out of this team but uh they've really just maintained their i guess their core group haven't they yeah and then <laughs> it's such a rough go being a timberwolves fan i think i know a, a few timberwolves followers and it seems like there was so much hope in that core around wiggins and towns and even bringing in jimmy butler and like this is it tibbs is going to get us to the playoffs and it just all kind of imploded in minnesota so I think these guys that they've retained with Covington, Jiang, especially Towns and Wiggins and Teague, it's the best chance, I think, at at really developing into a a playoff contender because, like, they're all guys that you want to have on the team, I guess. It's just, it really comes down to just Towns and Wiggins take a leap. I feel like I keep saying that, but really, they're not bringing in any major free agents because it's Minneapolis and it's not you know, Los Angeles or even <laughs> even Portland or, you know, Miami, whatever it might be that people look at as, as a destination to play. And, I mean, Towns is really a guy that we hoped would be probably a bit better than he has been. And Wiggins definitely is disappointed the last few years. He's a guy that was hugely hyped coming into that draft and going number one and just really never living up to his potential especially as kind of the Pippen uh, position there next to Carl Anthony Towns, who came in to take the pressure off him. He doesn't have to be the franchise star. He doesn't have to 
carry that burden night in and night out, but he hasn't really found a way to complement Towns in a way that translates to wins. So I think uh, it's it's kind of rebuilding in the fact that you know they're trying to get some consistency with a coach finally and bringing in some role players, but I don't think any of the guys that they're adding are really going to shake things up to a point that they're going to get more than like 30 or 35 wins. So I don't know what to say about this team. Well, there's really one player that I would look at as being their sort of uh, shining light in all of the, or their sort of diamond in the rough. Um, And it's rookie Jarrett Culver, um, who's come out of Texas Tech. Um, I had a chat with uh, the friend of the show, uh, Seth Rosenthal, when I did a One Perfect Game episode Mm -hmm. with him, um, just discussing, this was obviously before the draft, and he was really... Um, he was really high on, on Culver as a, a prospect. Um, he thought that he was going to be um, a really solid point guard talent in the same vein as, as Darius Garland, who's obviously now gone to the Cavaliers. But yeah, I think Culver is really going to be the guy who perhaps pushes Jeff Teague for a starting mm-hmm. spot. I think Teague has probably you know become a little bit complacent in his role. Um, and as he starts to age, I think he's just hit 30 or 31 now. Really, this is the time uh, for Ryan Saunders to really push uh, Culver into that sort of starting role. We've all seen what he can do uh, at NCAA level, but yeah, I think other than that, you know, there's really not a lot. You, you know, guys like Jake Lehman and Noah Vonley aren't really going to yeah. be instilling you with much confidence. But, um, you know, I'd like to see what you just said, but. Andrew Wiggins instead of Teague because Culver's that same size really he's a 6-7 shooting guard Wiggins plays at the at the two end of three he's only an inch taller so I'd like to see Culver kind of be the guy that motivates Wiggins to step things up because you know Teague's playing a bit more of a, a ball handling position than probably what Culver's going to be able to do as a rookie so yeah, what you said, but for Wiggins instead of Teague. We need to see someone light a fire underneath Andrew Wiggins. Well, I think Culver's really a good choice for that as well, mm. given how explosive he was for Texas Tech. So it's going to be, you know, that's actually not a bad bad shout, to be honest, mm. Jono. Why Thank are you me. not coaching in the NBA? I mean, I try, but they won't <laughs> respond to my emails. <laughs> Any prospective uh, teams looking for a, a coach? Maybe even the NBL. You know, mm. you've, you've got your man right here I could coach the Phoenix Suns surely oh anyone could really I could <laughs> to be fair actually I don't know what I would do with that squad <laughs> yeah it's a it's a poison chalice to be yeah. honest uh, but uh, we now move over to the Oklahoma City Thunder a team who you know, I've said it a couple times throughout uh, the episodes we've done here on Hoop Dreams but they've mm. had their heart and soul ripped out and they literally have in the form of uh, Russell Westbrook their I guess their ever present uh, yeah. since they were the the, the supersonics um, he's not there anymore he's of course gone to the Houston Rockets and then their other big name Paul George uh, has famously moved to La La Land to uh, to be with Kawhi and uh, and the Clippers this is now uncharted territory for the Thunder mm. um, obviously you know they've, they've still got their their sort of core group um, who was there guys like Stephen Adams who really is is going to be the biggest uh, literally and figuratively <laughs> part of that team. But, you know, even even Chris Paul coming in... Um, I think Chris was Paul e- will take that mantle as kind of the face of the team, to be honest. Yeah, look, it's it's going to be... 
you know, there's there's a lot of guys who've come in, guys like Gallinari and my favorite young player, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, but even then, like guys like Darius Basley, the excellently named Lugwens Dort, um, you know, these guys coming out of college have been, you know, highly talented, and I think they're going to provide something um, really big there. But who do you see um, stepping up in Westbrook's absence? I think it will be Chris Paul because he's literally stepping into that point guard position and probably feeling like he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, like he, he always does regardless. But being the, the guy that probably didn't want to be there and got traded in place for Westbrook, he spent the past couple of years as the second fiddle to James Harden. So I feel like he's going to be there thinking like, okay, let's see what I can still do. I'm, I'm not Dwayne Wade. I'm not, you know on the edge of um, on the teetowing on the the edge of my career like i've still got some juice left in in these kicks so i think that chris paul's going to come in there being the super hyper competitive guy that he is and i think he's going to give it everything he's got until he asks for a trade <laughs> at, the, at the midway season yeah it's it's so bizarre because obviously those rumblings were were coming out in the last couple of weeks that you know the thunder were perhaps looking to trade paul which would have just you know, made no sense. Of course, they've now got about you know 550 draft picks to mm. uh, to account for, uh, giving up guys like Westbrook and George. But you know, it's it's tough. You know, you you have a player who is so evidently like I, I keep saying it, but it, it just makes sense. The heart and soul of your team. You know, what can you do? You know, you've you've just got to you know put on a put on a happy face and 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 try and do your best, but. Yeah. I think I think yeah. the players that they've brought in have been, you know, a, a real solid sort of, I guess, covering up the the holes I guess that have been left mm. by it. So it's it's not it's not the end of the world, but they've really got to do a lot to uh, to make sure that this isn't just a, you know, a rebuilding season and I, and then that can be uh, you know still competitive. Yeah, I think that, like I mentioned before, there's a few teams that are going to have to figure out how things work with new rosters. This is one of them. But the guys they've got there, there's some pretty decent pieces there between Gallinari, who's one of the better guys at his age in the league, Shea Gilgis-Alexander being someone that people really loved watching in LA before he was traded, and just Stephen Adams as kind of a steady presence there. It's a it's a pretty good starting five, I think. And if it wasn't in... like If, if they're in the East, I think that they'd be probably touted to be... A, in the playoffs or at least on the edge of the playoffs. So mm. it, it's, uh, it, it'll be interesting. Like, do they, like I said, do they all take on that persona of Stephen Adams and Chris Paul and they play with the chip on their shoulder and they become that kind of rugged, like, you know, the team that no one really wants to play against. <laughs> well, it's yeah, possible. it's, it's definitely possible. I think, um, you know, you've got a couple of guys in there who would probably like to shake that tag of just being, you know, the the sort of one-dimensional flashy dunk player. Guys like Terrence Ferguson, who's obviously come out of the NBL and, and has really shown, I guess, you know, glimpses of his brilliance. He hasn't really had too much of a, a chance to shine. And, and especially um, current slam dunk champion Hamadou Diallo, who, you know, you'd hope he doesn't become the next Zach Levine and, and tends to, uh, you know, Oh, I think he'd be pretty pretty happy if he was the next Zach Levine. <laughs> well, I mean, Zach Levine obviously now having improved his game and yeah. becoming a, uh, I was going to say a most improved candidate, which I thought he should have been. But um, 
yeah, I mean, if they can get the most out of those sorts of guys, yeah. like even Abdel Nader, Nolan's Knoll, who was so highly rated coming out of college and especially when he was drafted by Philadelphia, mm. um, he sort of floated around as well. And, and even Dennis Schrader, um, who's really been sort of a... It was a really good uh, first-choice point guard in Atlanta and has really just been sort of bumped around in a couple yeah. of places as a, uh, as a backup point guard. But even then, he's still quite a... Uh, a solid backup for them. So mm. I don't, I don't think it'll be, you know, as bad as everyone s- seems to think it will be, but they'll be certainly having to, to push real hard if they're going to be anywhere near the playoffs. Yeah. I can definitely see it going either way, either they're kind of shells of what they have been used to being without their identity in, in Westbrook and uh, even Paul George leaving after a couple of good years. But if they go the other way and, and find a way to rally together, it's all going to come down to chemistry but I think like their potential is probably uh, like absolute best case scenario is like an eighth seed, but it's more likely that they'll be in that kind of Sacramento Kings range of nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, hopefully this uh, new period for them means that they'll be able to sell more Stephen Adams jerseys because we have far too many at my work. I'll just say that much. Um, as we now move on to the Portland Trailblazers, a team who you could argue are almost on the on the doorstep of a, a real championship contending team of course they just missed out on uh, on the finals last year uh, being edged out by the Golden State Warriors this is a team where there's clearly two major players and the fact that they've had to focus so clearly on those two major players obviously Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for their new uh, contracts I worry that it now affects the team's ability to attract more players. Obviously, you know, they've got a, a couple of decent ins in the team. Guys like Mario Hazonia and Kent Bazemore come to mind. Um, just looking at this in and out mm. uh, list from a free agency perspective. But, yeah, it's tough when you have so much of your salary cap just basically on two players. And they're very good players, obviously. I'm not, yeah. you know, dis- disrespecting them in any way like that. But, you know, you've got to be a little bit more fiscally, you know, considerate of these sort of situations. And for me, I just think that that might hinder them in the long run. Do you see the same the same sort of thing? I don't know. Like, it, they've also got Hassan Whiteside there on a pretty big contract mm. as well. So I don't know how long he's got left on his deal, but there's always a way to fit another person in if if they want to play there badly enough. So. It's the kind of team that I can see guys taking a bit of a discount to play for, especially with how far they went into the playoffs last year. And that's probably how guys like Bazemore ended up there because like, he, he's just made a ton of money from his previous contract. Or, yeah, he, he was... Uh, was he a trade or a free agent signing? I can't remember. I believe he was a uh, trade. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a guy that might re-sign for less money if we're going down that way. Um, but, yeah, it's it's hard to tell just because this team's previous season was so great. Can they do it again? I'm not sure. If, if they can back it up with another season where they win 50 games and go deep into the playoffs, then it might be a, a team that people do want to play with. Like, they'll go out of their way to, to play in Portland, but... It's, yeah, like I said, it's hard to really say because I feel like there's so many people nipping at their heels, especially we'll go on to talk about Utah, but I think that the Jazz might take their spot as that kind of 
darling of, of the Western Conference because the the Blazers have had this core of Lillard and McCollum together for a long time now. But th- last year was really the only season that they lived up to that potential. And it's hard to say why. Like, I know they had some really great playoff performances from some of their role players, um, even guys that aren't there anymore. So Ennis Kander's gone. We had uh, Nurkic wasn't there for it. Him sliding into that kind of big man role, hopefully in this year's playoffs, will mean that they have just as much chance to, to take it that far again. But I think they're going to have a lot of people who've watched what they did last year and thinking that they know how to shut them down this year, especially since Lillard and McCollum are going to be a good, really good chunk of that offense now with some of the guys they've lost. Yeah, like it's 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 a big chunk of that team to really, you know, take up as a your sort of attacking um, impetus. But um, obviously you previously mentioned Hassan Whiteside as that one of their bigger... Um, I guess, trades coming in um, over mm. the off-season. Obviously, Nurkic is, is touch and go. It'll be interesting to see when he comes back, but how big of a, a trade has Whiteside become and, and how big will that be for him to be playing alongside a guy like Nurkic who has been really, you know, before he got cruelly injured and it was very you know tough to watch, but mm. he was really lighting the league up. What's the question, sorry? <laughs> we'll record that again. Um, how big is it that you know a guy like Whiteside comes in right. to play alongside uh, a guy like Yusuf Nurkic who was doing so well before his mm. injury? I mean, they definitely need someone with his skills. It's just he's a guy that I think more people see him as taking more off the table than what he's adding to the table. And that's a problem. Like... I think Miami fans were happy to see him go and that's never a good thing if you're receiving the player on that end of the deal. Like, his his stats are, are really great. If you're a fantasy owner, you definitely want to draft Hassan Whiteside but it just seems like they're hollow stats and he's not a guy that you can really count on to get you the win at the end of the day. So, I don't know. I think being in a new environment might be good for him. Um, he's, he was in Miami for a pretty long time, but being in a winning culture, because he hasn't really, like, the best season that the Heat probably have had is when Chris Bosch was still there with him. So, I don't know. I, I think that's a new coach, a new setting, some young guys that can do the majority of the scoring is going to be something that helps Whiteside maybe focus on his defensive abilities, I hope. Yeah, here's hoping it's a, a tough place to, to come to. Portland have been sort of on the cusp of, uh, of greatness for a while. So here's hoping he can deliver something for that team. And, and here's hoping as well that Nurkic comes back uh, fit and raring to go because when he was on, he was very much on. But uh, let's move on to the final team in the division and perhaps the team who's ready to take, it could be argued, the biggest leap um, in the division is, of course, the Utah Jazz Looking at this in and out list, um, they've lost a, a lot of you know big name players, but they've also brought in perhaps some of the biggest players as well. Um, well. The uh, the guys like Mike Conley coming in, Bojan Bogdanovic, and even guys who would probably come off the bench, guys like Jeff Green and Emmanuel Mudiay. This 
you know, paired with a very strong, competent um, core of players that they've retained, guys like Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and even our own Australian hero, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, Jingles, Mr. Joe Ingles, um, they look on course to, to really make some inroads this year. Yeah, I think the guys that they've added, for the most part, they're like, sorry, I should say that again, the guys that they've lost, for the most part, you happily say goodbye when you see the guys that they've brought in, especially Bogdanovich and Conley. They're going to really add a new dimension to the offense of the Utah Jazz, which is probably very much needed with Donovan Mitchell obviously being a real firecracker there, but... uh, I guess a lot of the load was on his shoulders and it just fell kind of apart in the playoffs and they didn't live up to the potential that a lot of people thought they had, especially because they did so well in the, especially the last half of the regular season, I think. So yeah, I think they're a team that could be kind of in that top four seating when it comes to April playoff time. What do you think? It's going to be tough. I think obviously it's hard for them to go from the first round of the playoffs and, you know, they were knocked out by a very competent uh, Rockets side. Mm. Um, and I think just their inexperience over the last, you know, couple of seasons to go um, into the playoffs, I think sort of hurt them there. Um, mm. But I think, you know, I definitely agree. I think the the core group that they've got, now that they've got that experience, now they've got that, you know, that wherewithal about them in, in, a, in a pressure situation combined with, Guys like Bogdanovich and, and Conley and even Ed Davis, you know these these guys who have been around the league and, and know yeah. what it what it takes to win and what it takes to create you know high tempo offense. It's going to be a big thing for them. Um, and and really like you look at guys like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Like Utah haven't had and I can this is you know you can debate me on this one or you can back me up it's <laughs> either way. Utah haven't had a real superstar pairing since Stockton and Malone. Like, I I think, you know, guys guys have come in and out, guys like Kirilenko and even Gordon Hayward, but they haven't really had a, a real star pairing that has really taken yeah. them to the next level within would, the last 20 years. I would say Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer were probably the closest thing to what you just described because they were both all-stars. Yeah, true. Uh, Darren Williams was... I mean, Darren Williams was in the argument for the best point guard in the league for a couple of years, he was putting up 20 and 10, like him and Chris Paul were neck and neck uh, in his in his younger years. So uh, let's not forget about them. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Kyle Korver is one of my all-time favorite shooters. <laughs> but uh, yeah, compared to Stockton and Malone, uh, the only other pairing I can think of is Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap. And it really wasn't enough to get into the playoffs. As, as good as those guys were separately together, they just didn't seem to be able to put the wins on the board. So yeah, right. it's it's it. They've always been around that sort of you know mm-hmm. first round of the playoffs for you know a little while now. But like you were sort of saying, this might be their biggest chance. Obviously, with the the paradigm shift in uh, in the Western Conference, um, this yeah. is really going to be the uh, the do or die season for them, and and really. Um, there's a good chance that they might uh, surprise a couple of people. Yeah. I mean, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell in itself is a pretty solid pairing, I think. But adding Mike Conley in there, that dude's super underrated. And he had pretty much his best, like almost his best season that he's ever had as far as scoring output, efficiency, 
playing in Memphis, and I'm trying to think of like the best offensive player that he's had next to him in the last five years, like Marcus Sol and uh, like Zach Randolph. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's Rudy, tough to pick. Yeah. at some point, <laughs> it's, to, to put him on a team where he's able to facilitate and be calculated and pick his spots and decide: Are we going to? He's got a buffet of options here between Ingles, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich. Like, I think he's going to have so much fun with this team, and I can't wait to watch how it plays out. Yeah, I think obviously we can't uh, forget Joe Ingles, who I think people for for so often have really just regarded him as three and D. I know I've certainly thought of that before, but I think he adds a new element to this team, especially off the pick and roll. Um, I think he's he's very underrated in that sense. We all s- sort of saw it at the FIBA World Cup over the last month or so. Um, I think him combined with Bogdanovich is, is going to make them a real perimeter threat. Um, and then obviously guys like Gobert and even Donovan Mitchell who can you know definitely get some hang time are going to make them sort of a, a really nice all-around um, offensive threat so it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see how the Jazz do this season mm, for sure definitely and like I mentioned before about these teams adding guys and this is a team that's I think think added the right kind of guys like yeah to, to not have to worry I mean obviously if you have a chance to add Westbrook or you have a chance to add Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard like you do it mm. and you don't think twice but as far as a team that was already successful bringing in more players, guys like Conley don't really know Bogdanovich's personality quite so well, but most Europeans seem fairly like cordial towards their place in the locker room and they're just happy to kind of fit in and, and compliment the team around them. That's kind of the European style of, of play, I think. So I think that they're really just going to come in there and hit the ground running, unlike some of these other teams that will have to adjust to the changing dynamics i think that conley is such a great locker room guy and a a veteran who's he's had a couple years on teams that aren't really going places so to be energized by the youth of donovan mitchell and gobert and see a chance to like a real chance to make the finals i think or at least the conference finals which is further than he would have been before i think we're really going to see and energized Mike Conley Jr. and that's exciting. I'm really excited to see where the Jazz go with this one because they've yeah. they've really you know laid all their pieces in place and it's all coming together. But uh, of course, there will be one European team who uh, won't just be fitting in because they've uh, they've gone and won it all. Um, as we round out today's show, uh, yes. we must give congratulations to Spain who have now won the FIBA World Cup and as a result, statistically. They are the best basketballing nation in the world. The United States cannot say anything otherwise for at least 12 (laughs) months. Um, They, of course, beat Argentina in the final by, I think, about 20 points. They really took it to them. Um, It's kind of nice. By the time time people are hearing this, it's probably a week old news by by now. But to to see that the team that knocked Australia out win the whole thing, it it makes you feel a bit better, I guess. Oh, I mean, I was literally about to come on to the Boomers because uh, once again, they've fallen just short of uh, of a medal after, you know, really giving us all a bit of hope that we were, you know, on the cusp of something great. But uh, yeah, man, Tokyo 2020 is going to be fun if we end up getting uh, all of our big name players back, guys like Simmons and Bolden. Mm. Um, 
it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, of course, that also means that uh, the US is going to have all of its big name players. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. We'll if you've uh, if you've been watching old olympic clips like i have ladies and gentlemen it's a uh, it's a scary sight so oh, yeah. we shall see but um yes congratulations to spain um on a another big win they've always been a you know a, a pretty solid team there and thereabouts so i think yeah. that the the pieces just fell right for them and, and they really took advantage of it they have what we have but like they have the chemistry and the familiarity that australia has with each other but they just have the bigger stars i guess with marcus Gasol and rubio and guys that have literally been playing together for like 10 or more years because they've all come up together like rubio's been playing for spain since he was like 17 years old or something crazy yeah yeah and man what a year for marcus Gasol too yeah exactly what a, what a year yeah i mean he Probably didn't think he was going to be traded to the Raptors, and now he's won an NBA championship and a uh, mm-hmm. and a World Cup. But uh, do we agree with Rubio getting the MVP? Because I feel like there's one Australian player who's probably feeling a little <laughs> short change right now. Um, I, I hope that uh, when Paddy Mills gets uh, gets back to San Antonio, he gets uh, a nice massage because I feel like his back is sore. Mm. I mean, we, we haven't talked about the Spurs yet on this podcast, have we? But no, we haven't. That'll be I, fun. I can't. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Paddy does this year because he's kind of in the decline as far as his NBA career goes, and then he has an off season like this, and it's like hmm, maybe he is like the number one option as a point guard. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Coach Pop will definitely be taking notice. But uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for another uh, season preview episode. We've got one more preview left to come, but uh, we'll also be having some more small ball episodes in the future. So if you uh, yeah. Have any questions, queries, complaints, or anything in between, you can always uh, talk to us. We're always around. If you want to, you can follow 8-Bit at WeAre8-Bit. You can Mm. also uh, send us those, you know, messages through the hashtag HoopDreams. And you can also follow me on Twitter at It's Tilby. Jono, where can they follow you? At Jono himself. Awesome. And of course, if you uh, like what we've been doing, make sure to send us a uh, five-star review, subscribe, leave us a comment, all that nice stuff. It helps us out and we appreciate everyone who's been leaving all of that love over the past uh, couple of weeks. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, for now, this is Matt Tilby and that is John O'Peck saying so long for now. Take care. Keep dreaming.